Hello, this is Virginia from the 3CR Garden Show. We are back live to the airwaves every Sunday from 7.30 to 9.15. There are some changes. Sadly, Pam has retired at the Garden Show and will be sorely missed. But Stephen and I are excited to be hosting the show and we have many old favourites and some new voices. So tune in for the usual fabulous gardening advice. 855 on the AM dial, 3CR digital or 3cr.org.au. Every Sunday from 7.30 to 9.15. COVID permitting. Look forward to your company. Cheers. Well, good morning, everybody. Here we are at 3CR at the gardening program for the first time in about 12 months. So it's really exciting to be here. You'll have to um, make allowances for yours truly, Stephen Ryan from Dixonia Rare Plants because I'm sitting in front of the panel for the first time ever. And so I'm a little nervous and things are a bit frightening, but we will get there in due course, I'm sure. Um, also, we've got in the studio, A.B. Bishop, who is going to talk to us about all sorts of native plants, I'm hoping. Um, she's a horticulturalist and author. And we've also got um, Craig from Gentiana Nursery. Now, Craig Wilson has a wonderful small nursery up in the Dandenongs, and uh, he will talk to us about all sorts of plants as well this morning. So how are you, Craig? Very well, thank you, Stephen. That's good. And A.B., how Oh, good morning, Stephen. We got there in the end, didn't we? That was a bit of a schmozzle. Our theme music had disappeared. Yeah, yeah. Where well, did it go? I don't know. We've been away for 12 months. <laughs> all, all these things happened. The, the wall's painted in here and yeah, um, it's yeah. all a little bit crazy. Yeah, isn't it? it is. And it's all a yeah. bit scary. And I'm really not quite sure what we're doing. But anyhow, a little a bit of explanation. Job. In our intro, Virginia mentioned the fact that Pam had retired. And I'd just like to make um, mention of Pam and thank her so much for all the work she's done over, I think, a couple of decades with oh, 3CR. A long time. Um, so very, very long time. Uh, she was a stalwart. She worked really hard and she's decided now is the time to retire quietly into her garden up in Eltham and I don't blame her. So unfair of her though, really, isn't it? I mean, come on, Pam. Yeah, leave us in the lurch. She probably took the theme music with her. Oh, that's <laughs> I'm going to ring her later and find out where it is. Um, so Pam has retired and what is going to happen, I think uh, Virginia more or less explained it, but Virginia and I are going to take week about uh, on a fairly regular basis. We've got AB, of course, who is also able to deal with the panel far better than I am. Apart from today. Apart from today. <laughs> uh, who will step in when needs be. Chloe can also deal with the panel and we're hoping some of our other regulars will sign up and become panel oriented so that uh, too much doesn't fall on one. And it just goes to show that with Pam leaving, just how many people we need to fill her oh, shoes. Oh, I know. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Yes, it's, yeah. it's frightening. Anyhow, we're back on air. And so um, I hope everybody's listening and realising that we're live and not an old podcast from last year. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, so we're ready to go. Um, have we got any announcements or anything? I haven't got any yet. It doesn't seem to me like there's a lot of a lot of things happening out in the world of horticulture at the moment. No, I don't have a single announcement. I think yeah. it's going to take a while before we sort of start ramping up and hearing about what's going on yeah. around the place. Actually, what I probably should do is mention my email address if people want to send me direct because people would have sent Pam all the details of upcoming events and flower shows, etc., etc. So if somebody is wanting to send me an announcement, now we'll ask you to make any sort of um, announcement uh, notification simple and straightforward so they're easy for us to read on air. So we need organisation name, date, 
times, venue, uh, cost, what, cost yep. what it's about, all in nice dot point, if that's possible. Then yep. I can print it down off my computer and I'll have it sitting in front of me and I can rattle off all the information people want. So if you need to send me things, and I'm hoping Virginia will give you her email address next week so that you can send to both of us if you like, uh, but mine is all lower, lower case and it's T-U-G-U-R-I-U-M at bigpond.com. So that's Tagurium at bigpond.com. So if any of you are members of organisations that have got upcoming talks, walks, flower shows, anything of a horticultural note, uh, and I stress horticultural, we don't need to talk about things that aren't of a horticultural note because other people do that. So if any of you have got those things, don't hesitate to send me an email. Um, and you could always ring me at the nursery too with information, but I'll still need things in, um, in writing, please. So there we go. And I just thought I have got an announcement <laughs> to make, which I was meaning to talk about this morning anyway, but I didn't think of it like an announcement. On Friday afternoon, uh, a friend and I have gone live on YouTube. Yay. Uh, so there is a YouTube channel. It's only got so far uh, one plant profile and our introduction and ex explanation note about what we're doing. Um, but we've already got 100 subscribers since Friday, so that's not bad going. Uh, so if people want to go on board, what we're doing is um, we're going to do some eye candy. So we'll go and visit nice gardens. Uh, we're going to do plant profiles where I will talk interminably about an individual plant. So you'll know everything about it instead of, you know, these little tiny bites that people give. Um, and in fact, my first um, plant profile, which is up on, on YouTube at the moment, is about 10 minutes long and it's talking about Iachroma grandiflora. And that's mm -hmm. it. Nothing else. <laughs> so, and we'll also do practical things, you know, propagating, uh, handy hints in the garden, all that sort of stuff. But we're not going to do the really basic stuff. We're going to do some really interesting stuff. So, that's really good. If people want to um, subscribe and like our new um, uh, YouTube channel, it's called The Horty, H O R T I, hyphen culturalists. <laughs> so we're the Horty Culturalists. Uh, Not the H-A-U-G-H-T-Y. No, we did think for a moment about doing that, but we decided we wouldn't go quite that far. And anyhow, I've always liked the idea of having a hyphenated name. So, yes, yeah, so the Horty Culturalists uh, on YouTube. Uh, come along, see what we're up to. As I said, there's only a couple of bits up so far. Um, but, you know... Every Friday, a new um, segment will go up. So we've got several in the can at the moment. And my friend, uh, Matthew, who's working with me, um, it's sort of like the cook and the chef sort of thing. So he's the amateur that sort of Beautiful, yep. bounces questions off yep. me and so forth. And we work together on, on camera. Uh, but he's also the technological person, mm -hmm. so he can edit and put things together and put them up on YouTube and all the things I could never do. Sounds like a good team, and, but he's interested in plants, I assume. He is a, a very keen and enthusiastic amateur horticulturalist, yep. and it sort of all grew out of the fact that he'd send me pictures of things and say, what's this and all that sort of stuff, and then I realised he had his own uh, small YouTube channel about house renovating. He's mm -hmm. a, uh, an old uh, Victorian terrace house uh, and it's very engaging and a lot of fun and I thought 
Matthew can do that. Mm. And so we got together and that's what came about. So I've been doing a bit of that with John Ullman. Do you know John Ullman from Nurseries Online? No, I don't. Okay. So he he has a YouTube channel. Yeah. And he's been coming around and I did one on pruning dissectum maples. Yeah. A few bits and pieces like that. Pruning hydrangeas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So, yeah, so there's a lot up there if you look, but there's not a lot of in-depth horticultural stuff. It's a lot of nonsense. Yeah, it seems to me there's a lot of stuff that really is, you know, somebody just wanting to get in front of a camera and spout off. Um, So, yeah, so we're hoping to sort of up the ante a bit. Um, You're not having silly music in the background? I don't think we've used any music at all. That's good. Thus far. Have you got got lots of um, sort of cutaways and things of of actual plants that you're talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, Matthew's very good. He takes lots of stills and he puts them in and, and we do it from different angles and all that sort of stuff so that you get the proper view of the plant or whatever we're talking about. And I think it looks really professional. So yep. anyhow, so if anybody's interested, The Haughty Culturalists uh, is up and running on on YouTube. That's so quite a commitment. It is a big commitment. We have to meet about every three weeks and do at least two or three filming things Uh, and then Matthew has to go home and spend hours in front of the computer editing it all together Um, but we'll get there and look it's I think it was time I mean all I needed was somebody who had all that technical knowledge and I was ready to go already and and of course I'm lucky I've got access to all those fabulous gardens around Mount Macedon Mm -hmm. pretty well anybody who owns one of those gardens will be happy for us to come in and do some filming in their gardens when we get round to it uh, plus using my own garden and the nursery and, you know, so I've got access to an awful lot of stuff. Mm. So hopefully it'll be an interesting YouTube channel over a period. And are you setting the time limit for half an hour or 20 minutes or are you, or are you just uh, going with whatever? It's 10 to 12 minutes. 10 to 12 minutes, yeah. Is about the maximum we'll be going for with most segments because I think you start losing people's attention span if you go too much beyond that. Yep. And because I want to go into fairly sort of, intense detail about each thing uh it could get a bit heavy if we went on for too long so look so we, we put up we put up two videos on the the maple pruning and one of them was two minutes and the next one was 20 minutes mm. the two minute one is the one which gets the most hits mm. yeah. yeah and how long did that take you to produce <laughs> two days <laughs> yeah it, it takes a while yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, there can be a lot in it but uh, i think matthew and i work really well together so we're doing a lot of stuff that doesn't need to be done again and again and again to get the right cut. So we're doing a lot of, you know, one hit stuff that's working quite well. Yep. And um, yeah, I think it'll I think it'll work really well. At least I hope it will. And you have had a bit of practice, Stephen. I have had a little bit of practice. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Gardening this time Australia, you, look out, you can we're on our way. Direct yourself this time. <laughs> yeah, that's right, exactly. Uh, and I can talk about anything I want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there is a huge amount and that was one of the things Matthew wanted to do because he's got all the expertise in editing and all those things. He wanted to have control over something that he was doing in instead of working for someone else. Yeah, lovely. And I'm really happy to have the sense of horticultural control over something like that. So, yeah, I think it should be good fun. Mm. So there you go. So it's out there, folks. Go and have a look. It's only two pieces up so far, just our introductory piece plus one plant profile. And we'll be alternating things. So we'll do a plant profile, a practical thing. The next time it might be some garden eye candy. Then we'll go back to another plant profile. So each week something slightly different will come out. Yeah. Mm. So... 
that's what it's all about. So, Sounds great. Yeah, so it should be good fun. Um, what do you think? Should we actually mention phone numbers and get people sort of organised? Yeah, why not? Not that I'm ready to actually take the calls in the video. We'll see how <laughs> we'll this We'll figure goes. it out, Stephen. All right, we will figure it out. Um, all right, if people want to ring in and actually talk to us live for the first time in about 12 months, uh, you can ring us on 94190155. And if you want to talk off air, uh, just even to ring up and say hello to a live person, you can do so on 94198377. So they're the phone numbers for 3CR Gardening Program. So don't hesitate to ring in and we'll work out how to get your call in in a minute. Um, but in the meantime, all three of us have brought along plants this we morning sure to have. fill in some time. I mean, I think AB brought half a nursery in this morning. <laughs> I totally did. I, I, got, I got a little bit enthusiastic. I was going to go with a ground cover theme and I do have a few ground covers to talk about. But then I thought, oh, no, I'm going to go with the bush foods theme instead because that's quite so exciting to me both, at the moment. We've got both. Yeah. So I, I ended up putting some ground covers back, but, I, but I've got a couple yeah. of Well, do you want to start off with yeah. something while we're waiting for some calls right. to come in? Okay. So why so, don't you talk about so this is this is a competition. So I think Liz may have put um, I sent through Liz. Oh, and thank you, Liz, so much for putting up all our um, photos oh, yes, on Instagram. You are a champion. Yep. Um, and Facebook. Um, so I think this particular plant. This is a ground cover, and it's called Scleranthus biflorus, or the two-flowered gnawl, which I, gee, I hate that name so much. Where does that come from? I don't know. So it's, well, the flowers itself, which are extremely insignificant on this plant, are probably about, I don't know, three to four mil high, and they've got two, it's a single stem, and then two even smaller little flowers that are on it, extremely insignificant. You wouldn't notice it in flower as a rule, would you? You would not notice it in flower. But but as we go, I, I, we're having a bit of a competition here with you two. Um, and, you know, there might be a fiver on the table for whoever <laughs> for whoever gets the family of this plant. Oh, without, I think I know. Damn you, Stephen. I was just like, am I going to ask Stephen? Yeah, I think it's Carafalaceae. It is. So <laughs> the carnation. The carnation family. Really? Yeah. And I don't know I why I know that. Yeah. Because it's not a plant that I grow, well, haven't grown for years. Um, but for some reason or another, I must have looked Maybe it up. Maybe because it's so time. bizarre. You would not put this in the carnation not family. Not in a years. Yeah, not in, yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah. So it's, the common name is the twin flowered knoll or, as I like to call it, the cushion bush. Yeah. And it is, it, when people come in the nursery, they go, oh, look at that. Lovely moss. Yeah, it looks and just like a moss. It, yeah, it looks exactly like a really bright green moss. It um, rarely loses its colour uh, and it creeps about, oh, probably one plant would get you about uh, roughly a square metre. Uh, and it, what is really fantastic about it is it sort of mounds itself a little bit, not much, you know, maybe 10, 15 centimetres. And it squishes itself around rocks and pavers mm. and, and logs in the garden really beautifully. So if you need a bright pop of colour, uh, ground cover in the garden. It's such a cute little plant and it's um, it's a really good talking point. Uh, it's sort of um, indigenous to the pretty much the east coast, uh, sort of east of the Great Dividing Range. Just I think it might pop into southeast Queensland a little bit, but just yeah, all the way down the mm. coast. Uh, it does like a sunny spot and it doesn't like to dry out. Yeah. If it, if it, mm. it dries out, it will come back. Uh, but it'll, it'll take a bit. But the other good thing about it is you can break it up and separate it when it gets a bit big yeah. and, and move it around the place. And it's a fabulous alternative for moss if anybody's thinking of trying to create one of those 
Japanese garden. Yeah, That's right. it and, is. And it's not moss. And yeah. It's not moss, but yeah. it gives you that look. It, so you want to do the rocks, the moss, the deer scarer and the Japanese bridge. <laughs> Scleranthus is your plant. It, it is. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's a really great little plant and kids have made fairy gardens out of it because it has that sort of appeal to it. Uh, so that's Scleranthus biflorus and, yeah, definitely... Um, a, a talking point plant, I'd say. And yeah. You need to stomp yeah. on it every now and again to push it down. Yeah, you, and it sort of gets a bit sort of almost like aerated underneath. That's right. uh, you have to, if any weeds pop through, you have to get on top of them quickly. Yeah, yeah if you get a dandelion in the middle of it, it'll it's all get over. Swamped. Yeah, yeah, but the good thing is, and I, I speak from experience with our lovely cockies, um, I've got a some in pots and the cockies take to uh, ripping them to shreds every now and again and mm-hmm. they just grow back really well. Mm. So uh, you'll see if, um, I think Liz has put it up on the Instagram page, one of my colleagues at uh, Karanga has got, um, she's put this in a pot with, uh, so a, a, quite a small pot with Acacia alpina, which as the name suggests is an um alpine acacia and that only gets to about two meters out in the wild but in this pot it stayed at about 40 centimeters and it's got the most beautiful flat phyllodes so the yeah. leaves and it's just so architectural it's actually quite japanese looking and everyone who comes in the nursery tries to copy it myself included so i put <laughs> i've put it in this beautiful big terracotta wide and shallow terracotta pot almost like a bulb pot and um the scl- scleranthus is grown absolutely beautifully and the acacia alpina has started you know forming its sort of architectural look behind it and um, then the cockies came along and pruned off my acacia alpina and I was spewing and I was thinking oh you know it might regrow it might regrow but no it didn't regrow what regrew in its place of course a cherry tomato (laughs) (laughs) so now I've got a beautiful pot of scleranthus with a cherry tomato so the acacia didn't come back no it didn't come back I I think the cockies just got below any sort of nodes and it just, yeah, refused to. Let's move on. We have our first call come in. So let's see if I can bring on board our first call, uh, which is Michael from Dingley. Are you there, Michael? Yes, yes. Yay. Well done, Stephen. (laughs) Good morning, Michael. I'm just sort of bouncing around the room here with excitement that I managed to get your call through without cutting you off or something. Now, what can we help you with this morning? I want to be the first person to ask a lemon question. Oh, God. The first person oh, off what the question? rank, a lemon tree oh, question. Lemon. Yes, well, of course. It had to be lemon or tomato. So yeah. I, I'm happy about that. All right. What do you need to know? Now, what, what I have currently is in the backyard is a possibly a fire lemon, mm. which is probably grown to being four five metres high. Yeah. And um, I, I cut it, it uh, what would it, it would be about 35 years old, I think. Mm-hmm. It's full of gall wasps. I cut it hard back about six, eight years ago, uh, back to, say, some limbs were about the size of your wrist in diameter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it took a couple of years to then start refruiting again with a little bit of... Uh, uh, peeing on it to help. Mm-hmm. Um, now it, it's it's just grown quite monstrously now. So what I'm doing, I hope I'm not doing the, the wrong thing. I'm cutting it right out. I'm going to dig it out and discard it in mm-hmm. the green bit month by month. And then I'm looking to replace it with 
one of the dwarf varieties. And so far I've found things such as a Eureka Meyer, a Lemonade, a Lemonicious, and a lots of lemons, all yeah. some sort of grafts and things. I don't, preferably if it could be grown to something like no more than two metres high, I'd be happy with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're in a sandy soil here, as you probably know, this Dingley area, um, Clayton and so on. Um, have you any suggestions, please? Well, what do people think? I mean, all of the dwarf forms, for me, seem to be somewhat similar. Well, yeah. lemonade's an eating lemon, so that... Yeah, that's not yeah. a truly lemony lemon, that's is right. it? That's right, yeah, and in my experience of them is that they get huge. I suppose yeah. the dwarfing rootstock would deal with that. Yeah. yeah, look, I don't think it matters too much what you go for. I mean, the dwarf eureka or the lots of lemons or whatever, oh. which... You know, are all proper lemons and and would do the job quite well. And of course, you can keep even a bigger lemon down to a much smaller size with That's appropriate what I was pruning. Thinking. I would have thought with two mm. meters you could keep a mire. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it probably doesn't matter. But I have to say, I don't know what you folk think, but now is not the time I'd be putting new lemons into the ground. I, you know, we haven't had a summer to speak of. It's and, very wet. And it's very wet. And although your soil is is um, sandy. Uh, I always think spring is the lemon tree planting time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also, Michael, with your sandy soil, I mean, lemons really, um, they need a lot of moisture and they need quite a lot of food as well. And sandy soil is just notorious for water and nutrients leaching through. So you're going to need to do a lot of work in terms of um, compost and really building up the soil. Mm. And, And unfortunately, it's one of those things that will be ongoing every year you'll be putting on compost and, and of course, food as well and needing to water it a lot. Yeah, and I would say too that if he hasn't actually taken his lemon tree out yet, taking the lemon tree out and preparing your ground, mm. that yep. gives you ample time yep. to get ready for an appropriate yep. planting time. For sure, yeah. Yep. Yep. Does, does that help? Yes, yes it does. Because it, it's quite a massive tree, what it is now. Yeah. It, it's gone off in about three major um, trunks, so to speak. Um, I've now cut it back down to about one remaining trunk with, uh, with uh, there's a whole lot of small lemons on it, uh, and there's just the occasional thorn on it, so I'm guessing that the mire, um, from what I've read, the, the mire has an occasional thorn, whereas some species have a whole lot of thorns, which yeah. I'd rather not have. Yeah, fair enough. All right, well, I hope that's been of some help to you. Yes, it has. Thank you. So um, I can perhaps carry on and then prepare the soil. Yep. Yeah, I get ready yeah. for planting. I, I, th- yeah. I think bite the bullet and, and get rid of the tree, especially if you're planting in the same place. Yeah, yeah. Dig in a load of chook manure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just get that soil as rich as possible. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. I hope that's been of some help, Michael. Yeah, thank you so much. All, All right. the best for the too. Thank you. Thank you very okay. much. Bye-bye. 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 Yeah, that is um, the sandy soil for citrus. Is It can be a bit tricky, can't it? Because they really like that rich soil and mm. it just getting in the habit of adding compost and manure and all those things. Maybe yeah. get a couple of yeah. chickens to live around the bottom of it. <laughs> it all helps. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, of yeah. course, none of us can live without our lemon tree. That's right. Yeah. yeah. All right.
Craig, I reckon it's your turn to talk about one of your plants. Seeing as everybody's bought some in, we might as well <laughs> yeah, do a sort of round robin turns. thing here. Yeah, I was actually going to take over the whole show and just oh. talk about my plants because uh, I brought so many in. But yeah. no, all right, Craig, you can have a turn. We'll start off with the begonia. Look, uh, some of you may remember that, that collecting begonia was my solution to the indoor plant craze, <laughs> yes. which is, of course, well, being it's still going gangbusters. a huge genus yeah. that it's become a bit of an obsession. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, there are so many of them. And what I've discovered is that some of them make fantastic garden plants. Mm -hmm. so, Funny that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and things that you, from Brazil that you perhaps wouldn't expect to be able to grow in Melbourne do really well. So I bought a couple of these and um, the, the first one that I'm very fond of is Begonia Luxuriens. Oh yes, that, that pops up on Facebook and all over the place on a regular basis. That's it's right. such an interesting and different one. It is, it is. And, and, and the, the piece I've brought in, the leaves are actually quite small, but they get large and fingered, very palmate. Um, yeah, so you've got a leaf that's a compound leaf like... Uh, Marijuana, actually. Looks I was quite, almost yeah. going to say that. Yeah, I said, do we yeah. say yeah. this? Yeah, yeah it's, got that, it's got that sort of maple-y sort of... Yeah. Over... It's palmate. Yeah. yeah. And really pretty thing. Yeah, and... and it has the capacity to grow up to two and a half, three metres. So it's a substantial, it's a substantial plant. plant mm. Yeah, which can, of course, be pruned mm. wherever you want. Flowering, insignificant. Foliage, fantastic. Dry, doesn't seem to be an issue. So you would say this would be a plant that you could recommend for people looking for something perhaps for dry shade? Dry shade, mm. that's yeah, right. Sort yeah. of under big trees or something yeah. like that? I mean, I was at a friend's place who lives on top of the ridge in Ferntree Gully the other day, mm. which would be dry and exposed. And she had a big one in her garden. Mm. Well, there you a go. very handsome plant. So Begonia Luxuriens. Begonia Luxuriens. What colour flowers? Yeah. White. Mm. Mm -hmm. Not much. Okay. Yeah, so pretty, it's pretty dreary. More it's, for the it's foliage. It's a foliage yeah. plant, mm. yeah. And, and um, texture. And red stems. They could almost go towards getting that sort of tropical look in a garden when you don't have that sort of really good moisture and yeah. That's right, or, now, you, or you can't find a question. Pseudo panax yeah, in the foliar. Oh come on now! Where are you going to get those things from? I was going to say, from a personal perspective, how cold hardy would that begonia be? It would take be? a light frost. A I'd light say. frost. Yeah, yeah, because where I come from, of no. course, we get some substantial frosts. Mm. Yeah. Oh dear! All right, well I'll put, I'll cut that off the list. But for now. Melbourne gardens, well, you know, for a mm. courtyard garden because they're, they're evergreen and they look terrific most of the mm. year, it would be terrific plant. Mm. Great yeah. pot plant on a veranda, perhaps. Absolutely, like yeah. indoors too, of course. Yes, the indoor plant thing. I love the fact that indoor plants have become the fashionable thing again. And all those young yuppies that are out there buying their indoor plants thinking that they've just discovered this. That's right. Uh, and I'm old enough to remember the 1960s when there was the rubber tree in the anodized bright coloured pot. <laughs> I yeah. think it's well, coming back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And something in macrame. Oh, macrame <laughs> is definitely back. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Absolutely back. But but you, the indoor plant thing is fantastic. It is. Be a true because good. these young people are learning about genus and species mm. and and they're being ripped off for variegated monsteras. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And pelias. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I just can't get it. I, I, I couldn't stop myself from going in onto eBay and Gumtree and having a little look around the other day because I had somebody get in touch with me to find out whether I was growing the variegated monsteras and how much I was going to charge for them. And they're asking thousands of dollars yeah. for some of them. Yeah, a friend of mine had a big old one. He's, he's my age. And he had um, a bit of a large credit card debt. 
So he flogged this thing on Gumtree Whoa. and paid off his credit card. <laughs> yeah, see, there you go. So, yeah, I, I must admit, I think that's obsessive, the sort of prices they're paying for some of these plants. But, you know, even some things I grow in the nursery, you go in and you see one of those purple leaf um, oxaluses, for instance, say, yeah. the oxalis triangularis, which that's people right. use as an indoor plant. Yeah. And they're wanting 40 and $50 yeah. for a mm. plant, and I've got tubes of it for $9.50, and you think, <laughs> I'm in the wrong part of the business yeah. somehow. And hey, Manthus, albifloss, yeah. looking very, very sad. Yeah, yeah. so anyhow, all right. So, yes, so Begonia Luxurians, you said you had another Begonia. We, yes. we might finish off on Begonias maybe before right. I have a crack. I think there might be a tray of Begonias over here. Uh -oh. No, no, it's just, just, no, I didn't do that to you. Um, well, I like the, that one though. Yeah, this is Angularis, which is another one from southern Brazil. Uh, silvery leaves with a white veining, mm. typical um, asymmetrical begonia leaf, has the capacity to get up to three metres. Goodness me. It looks more begonia-y than it the does. other one. It does, yep. yeah. It's, yep. it's more classic begonia, but a very good garden plant. Mm. I've got it growing in my garden in Alinda and it's flourishing. Mm. Yeah, and fantastic. we had snow last winter. so, And I reckon that you could train it over an arch. You reckon it'd grow that big? Absolutely, it would. Goodness yeah, me. Yeah, very handsome plant. And again, flowering, insignificant. Foliage, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, foliage is there a lot longer than the average flower is, so I'm always in favour of finding something that has a great texture or foliage first, yep. and if it flowers afterwards, that's a bonus. Yep. Mm. I, I'd agree. Yeah. Mm. To, to me, flowering is something which is secondary these mm. days. Yeah. yeah. I want more from a plant than a month. Mm. Yeah. 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 And, and certainly if you're growing things in pots, they have to pay their way. If they're just a yeah. green blob for nine or ten months of the year oh, and then have no. some flowers. Yeah. yeah. No point. I, yeah. You know, I dare I say the average azalea fits into that sort of category. You know, it's just a green blob, generally full of uh, rhododendron lacewing, <laughs> uh, and then it'll come out and flower. It'll make a big splash of blooms for uh, four to six weeks, if and that. then and then it goes back to being a big blob again. Yeah. I know, but so many people really want the just the big splash of colour. Uh, not necessarily taking into account the rest of the plant. Yeah. And, you know, with the pansies and petunias and, and camellias and things. And, um, yeah, I'm not, I don't know. Azaleas, I've never been a fan of azaleas, no. ever. Oh, look, it um, depends how they're used, It, it is, yeah, yeah. In somebody else's garden, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and when they're pruned beautifully, right. they, they can be quite um, and, yeah, yeah, In the Japanese attractive. gardens, they're incredible. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Must be my turn. But before I have my turn, I'm going to uh, mention the uh, ring in number again mm -hmm. because we haven't got any calls on the board at the moment. So wake up, people. Um, <laughs> the phone number to ring in and ask us a question, and we'd like any sort of question. Maybe this time, not a lemon tree one. Though. Tomato. Maybe a tomato question, yeah. maybe. Oh, maybe There's something. No tomatoes this year, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we've got tomatoes. Have you got the green tomato pickle recipe? Because <laughs> I think we're going to need that. Uh, so the phone number to ring in is nine four one. Nine zero one double five. So it's nine four one nine zero one double five. So do ring us up, even if it's just to say hi to us, so that we know that we're still being listened to. <laughs> All right, I'm going to talk about a plant, and I'm going to talk about one that Craig is familiar with um, because it's a kiwi plant. Mm -hmm. um, it used to be called uh, Macro Pippa excelsa. Uh, it's now been included into the genus Pippa, so it's now Pippa excelsa. So it's actually in the same genus as commercial pepper. Um, 
and there's a lot of like name changes going on around the world at the moment, so this is just one of many. Mm. Um, it's an evergreen shrub from New Zealand. Uh, it's an understory shrub. It grows to about three metres-ish. I mean, they can get bigger, but they're going to take an awful long time to get that big. Very prunable. It has a lovely heart-shaped leaf, which is its biggest claim to fame, and dark brown stems. Its flowers look like, dare I say, green chocolate bullets, if that makes any sense. <laughs> um and I just think it's a great plant for dry shade. Um, but apparently it's become a thing, and I'm getting people getting in touch with me looking for Kawa Kawa, oh. um, which is the Maori name for it. Uh, it's, I know it's a flavouring for gin, mm. which is really important. There you go. Yeah. Uh, no wonder and, it's becoming more popular. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, there's ginneries going up <laughs> everywhere. Sure is. Um, but also it's used as a condiment, and I think it has herbal uses as well. Absolutely. It was a medicinal plant for the Maori, and it's mm. particularly mm. useful for seal bites. We should all carry one in our pocket. I think it will be indispensable at Mount Massive (laughs) (laughs) for seal bites. Goodness me! Um, But it's just one of those plants that you don't see around in the trade. I don't know anybody else at the moment that's growing it for sale. Uh, It can be used as an indoor plant as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, It seems to cope quite well indoors. Um, It's not terribly difficult to propagate from cuttings. Dare I say, as a commercial nurseryman who wants people to buy his plant, Um, but it is a very pretty evergreen shrub there's a there's a there's a beetle that's associated with it when you so when you see them in new zealand they're always shot with holes yeah Mm. yeah and apparently the leaves which are damaged are the ones which provide the most medicinal qualities oh that's interesting but they they'd uh, have the least aesthetic qualities i would have thought so it's we're lucky here because we don't have the beetle so we can have comparatively intact and gorgeous looking pippa leaves have you tried making tea with it no i haven't it's good it is, it's is good. it? good. You crush it up and you mix it with some lemon and some honey. Yeah. It's nice. All right. It just adds a slight spice. All right. I've got plenty of it in the garden at home. I'll yeah. give it a crack. Yeah. Oh, well, we are if going I, with the bush foods yeah. theme today. Yeah. Well, so I was going to say, if I, if I don't show up next week, next time, <laughs> yeah. you know, it might be the pipper that got me. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just think it's a great shrub. I sold some years ago to Melbourne University and they've got it in a couple of spots, you know, under big trees yep. against buildings and things. Mm-hmm. And it's just a really attractive it's not one of those overt plants that doesn't sort of leap out and say i'm here it softens a building but it does yep. it softens it a does. building it, fills it's the sort of plant when you have in your garden and a gardener walks through they're going to notice it oh yeah what, what's that yeah mm. yes anybody who's got their eye in and that yeah. does seem to be the way these things work once yeah. people become keen gardeners they start getting their eye in for the different and interesting yeah. things and that's when they start collecting tiny little frittle areas with dark brown flowers that you can't see but they think they're fantastic <laughs> yeah. uh, so you know we become so subtle sometimes that we disappear (laughs) but i think it's a great shrub and there is also another species of it which i think comes from lord howe island called um, pippa melchior which i love the name that's fantastic and it has a slightly bigger leaf it's a slightly paler shade of green a glossier green and a heavily veined leaf and i'm starting to propagate that one as well i think they're fabulous shrubs so that's pippa p-i-p-e-r excelsa Mm, uh, the new zealand pepper bush very nice there we go so So something else for people to collect. I don't see why not. Well, actually, you could collect both species. That would be about it, wouldn't it? Well, whilst they were still macro pippers, it would have been. But yeah. now, of course, it's included in a vastly larger genus, most of which are tropical and probably we wouldn't be able to grow anyway. Mm. So it's sort of an outlying group of non-tropical plants I in that genus. I wonder if there's any different ones around the Pacific Islands. It could be. Yeah. It could be. But certainly Melchior and Excelsum are the only two I've come across. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very happy to grow those. Mm. So there we go. All right. Well, we've got 
We've got a call coming in. Let's see if I can bring this call in. Where's my piece of paper oh, to make sure? Oh, it's our sure. friend Jewel. Ah, here we go. Uh, press the line and the, green. the hold. The green button. And that one. Oops. Oh, damn. Sorry. And then that one. Hello. Hello. Ah, Yay. Jill. Hi, Jill. <laughs> How are you, my dear? Hello, team. Look, I'm so uh, delighted you're back on here. Yes, it's, uh, it's Jill from East Brighton. Mm -hmm. And um, just, I haven't got a gardening question. I got my uh, email from 3CR um, a day or two ago saying you're up and running again, and I um, was thrilled. Um, I have been listening to some of the podcasts and just, Occasionally surprised to hear myself. <laughs> well, I hope you got use of the of the answer again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, it was you know one of them was very humiliating. It was about how all my agapanthuses were dying. Oh dear! I mean, yeah, how you could know, you possibly have asked that question? <laughs> yes. I know. Well, you know, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, so it, it turned out, yes, it was a combination of my Staffordshire Bull Terrier and a rat infestation. Oh, goodness <laughs> me. It, it dug their way through the roots. I think the uh, rats were eating the roots and the um, and the Staffy was in pursuit of the rats. Uh, anyway, yep. So, look, I, that's neither here nor there. I just want to say, lovely that you're back. We so appreciate what you, all the work that you do. And also, just uh, if Pam is listening, say what a fabulous job she did for... Was it over two decades? I think it was. Um, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Yes. Pam and I have worked together for an awfully long time because uh, yes. I've been in the program even longer than that as on the other side of the panel because I started when uh, Alan was hosting the program way back uh, as right, a regular. Yes. Uh, yes. And then Pam came in. Yeah. Yes, and then Pam came in. I think there was somebody in between Alan and Pam okay. for a shortish time. I yep. don't remember now who it was it was a lady i remember but um uh yeah pam's been doing it for an awfully long time now and so she deserves to uh, arrest yeah I think. absolutely yes yeah. and accolades yes yes and uh, great great thanks from from the gardening public and you you even more so if you were there before pam like <laughs> bc yeah, some people yeah. just keep coming back <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it, it's terrific and i've uh, taken no it, it is the um the haughty culturalist. I I was just making my porridge when you said about, oh, about your the, yeah the YouTube channel. channel. Yes, yes. Yeah. The haughty dash culturalists. Um, ah, and okay. uh, yeah, yeah, go in and yeah. have a look, Jill. Um, yep, we'll do. We'll do. And hopefully, I'll see you up at the nursery. And you, you too, Craig. Thank you. Uh, Time to time, yep. I've got a brother at Callista, which always gives me an excuse to call by. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, anyway, yep. All the very very best. Good All on right, you, thank you for ringing in, Jill. Thanks so much. Thank you. No worries. Okay, All right. bye. Bye. All right, there we go. I'm yeah, getting the hang of this. You are. Uh, slowly but surely. Actually, we've got another one coming through. Um, where is it? We might have to wait for that yeah, one. Yeah, it hasn't yeah. shown up on the thing yet. So with COVID, did you, um, uh, well, should I say after, when everything reopened again, did your nurseries go absolutely nuts oh, yeah. yeah. Well, mine went nuts all the way through because being out in the bush a bit, yep. I wasn't in suburban Melbourne, so mm -hmm. I wasn't locked down. Ah. And so people from the country, obviously I didn't get any city clients coming out, mm. um, but people from the country were still madly gardening. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I've just had the best year. Mm. It's just been outrageous, um, which is great to see. I mean, the nursery industry's been through the millennial drought. We've been through so many things over yeah. 
the last couple of decades where most of us have been hanging on by our teeth mm. um, to have a really bumpy year like this. I mean, the taxation department's going to be so pleased with me at the end of the financial <laughs> year. Um, so, you know, it's, it's fantastic. And people have come in with serious enthusiasm. Oh, totally. You know, it's yeah. not, oh, I've got to fill up the garden or I've got to put a tree in or whatever. They come in and they go, oh, what can I buy? What can I buy? What can I buy? And they get really excited and they wander around and they'll pick up something they've never heard of before and get really excited and pay for it and go home. And um, It's been really, really good. Yeah, well, I know the nursery industry across the board, especially in Victoria, but also in other states, um, broke all the records in, in terms oh. of sales and running out of plants. Like, at the nursery, we have literally just restocked with kangaroo paws they just disappeared and that was it couldn't yeah. didn't see any more couldn't get any and That's the ones that the started downside. coming in yeah, they, yeah everyone just became a gardener yeah it's been quite incredible actually i'm hoping it, yes if it sticks that'll be really good i guess the a pe- percentage of people yeah. will stick yeah, yeah. for sure yeah. yeah those who rushed into the big barns to buy it up the vegetable seedlings when covid first hit <laughs> hopefully it's moved them on to the next level seeds yeah. and seedlings everything was gone wasn't yeah. it yeah. yeah but at the moment you know if you ring up most of the wholesalers at the moment the the stock levels are down. Yeah, yep. yeah, yep, and totally. and those that send me out their regular uh, wholesale price lists and things, their lists are much smaller yep. than usual. Mm. Far fewer plant varieties on them because they're just been cleaned out yeah so yeah so it has its good side but it also has its bad side and i've got a couple of landscapers that are pulling their hair out because they just can't source stock that they want for the landscape jobs they're doing yeah so yeah it's madness yeah so you you actually could keep operating could you because we we moved to click and collect or or deliveries Mm. yeah and yeah had really big delivery trade all all around the place yeah yeah no Uh, people just kept they were still fine to come into my nursery i thought when it first hit i thought i was going to have to close down so i got signs made up to explain where I was and you know and I was going to do all that uh, click and and collect collect stuff as well but as it turned out where I was we were outside any of the um, lockdown areas Mm -hmm. and I was able to just keep trading which made life a lot easier because click and collect I mean it sounds all fantastic when you've got clothes and and maybe food and things like that but with plants of course they're so variable and people want to get out there they want to touch them and they want to see what colors there are yeah they want the best one fair enough yeah um so that was that was a little bit uh tricky yes yeah so yeah so COVID hasn't been a bad thing from the horticultural industry not at all not at all um and hopefully it will have its long-term repercussions Concussions with the nursery industry. I hope people are now sort of garden conscious again. And of course, this year with the La Nina, um, it's been a comparatively oh, relaxed summer too. It's been I mean, so weird, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was yeah. not going to be a big water bill, that's for sure. Yeah. No, there won't be a big water bill, and there also won't be um, any ripe tomatoes. Uh, <laughs> at least most people won't have any ripe tomatoes. We've got ripe tomatoes. Yeah. All right. We're very excited about that. All right, let's Oops. see if we can bring in the next one. That one there. Yep. And the green button. And that one there. John, are you there? I am, Stephen. John from East Brighton, how are you? No, it's not John from East Brighton. <laughs> Why have they put it? Oh, John, no, from, John from Melton, I think. Oh. I thought your voice was familiar. East Brighton but... Botanic Gardens has come up on a screen. Yeah, somebody's, <laughs> somebody's trying to throw me off even more in this studio it's this like morning. Everyone's I'm... ringing up from East Brighton. Yeah, sorry, John. Uh, yeah. We're never going to make the first day easy for you. Uh, it doesn't look like it. Okay, All right. you in the... Throwing, throwing you in the deep end comes to mind. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, I, I got very little sleep last night worrying about this morning. Oh, but, the, <laughs> yeah. but anyhow, um, we're, we're muddling through. 
Okay, it's good, and it's wonderful to hear you all back. I just, uh, we really appreciate that. Um, but it was good to hear last year things for the, the second time because I, I got a bit more insight into things that I might have missed the first time. So yeah. Oh, well, we'll do it again then, round. shall we? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> well, there's always a podcast. <laughs> I, I just like to uh, let you know that we're starting um, guided tours again at the Melton. Melton, Botanic not East Brighton. Botanic <laughs> yes, East Melton. Brighton, no. Yeah. All right, that's good. How do people book and become involved in your walks? Because I think that's a fantastic okay. idea. Well, well, usually Facebook or our um, our website are the first places, but we've got a walk next Sunday mm-hmm. as part of the National Sustainable Living Festival. We've been doing um, a walk for that for about six or seven years now. Oh, fantastic. Uh, and it's a fairly gentle stroll through the Botanic Garden, uh, to look at, uh, from a sustainability point of view, uh, plants that tolerate a dry climate and low water requirements, mm-hmm. um, but also to see what sort of things we've reused, our solar power, our battery, um, and a number of other things around uh, the depot and the garden mm-hmm. as to how we've reused and repurposed things too. So there's some of that. But uh, the, the garden's looking good. There's uh, You get to see the eucalypts. There's always something in flower there. Fantastic. The West Australian, South Australian beds are good. We've got a great bush foods garden, uh, century garden, South African, Mediterranean, Californian, Central South American, plus a whole lot of indigenous mm. things that grow well. I still think so, you need uh, to have a Canary Islands garden. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, an, that's another theme. You'll have to go back to 2006 to discuss our concept yeah, planning. Yeah, but right. it would be one. Oh, Cam- Camperdown's got a, a great one. Yeah, Camperdown's actually got quite a good collection of Canary yeah. Island plants, so yes, maybe I can push so, them a bit more. Okay, so next week it's 10 o'clock, mm-hmm. and because it's a COVID-safe event, people do need to book their place so yeah. we don't oversubscribe and have something like 50 to 100 people turning up. Normally we'll get anything from two people to about 20 to 30 people. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's 40 degree day, we get about two people, <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> which we've had. Yeah. Well, that's fair enough. Yeah. In Don't blame so, me. Uh, so it's, um, it's 21 William Street, not the normal public car park that uh, Google will show you. Mm-hmm. And if people uh, ring me on 9743... 3819 um, that will get then it's 97433819 or email friends at fmbg.org.au but I've put the flyer onto the 3CR Facebook page and it's also on the FMBG website so just google FMBG and um, we'll probably come up pretty pretty soon fantastic John Uh, yeah all right. But I heard you talking about citrus trees too. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what would well, a program they, be without them? Oh, well, they grow well at our place. I just planted a, a dwarf eureka. Mm-hmm. that I, um, And that's doing well after a couple of weeks. It looks terrific. And another one yeah. in, a, in a pot. So, um, But it, we've got about seven kinds of citrus trees in our little backyard, which you've seen. So, yeah. yeah. Well, does that mean I can bring my mountain, uh, my New Zealand pepper around and we can make gin and then you can supply the lemon? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right into that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and the, the other thing I mentioned is, if I can, um, the, you, you were talking about nurseries before and stock. Um, our volunteer nursery, the, the Friends Nursery, is open on Tuesdays and Thursdays mm-hmm. from 10 a.m. 
to uh, one o'clock. Fantastic. And I think from next uh, Sunday they're opening on second and fourth Sundays um, uh, for this year. So that would be really good because last year we had to close a lot like everyone else Uh, um, during COVID. And if people want to see the plant list, that's on our um, website as well. Fantastic. It's just fmbg.org.au. And I know that they will get a bargain out there because you always underprice your plants. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds good. All All right. right. Thank you for ringing in, John. Thanks very much. All right. All the best. All right. Cheers. See you later. There we go. Oof, yes, I'm getting Mel- better at this. You are. The uh, Melton Botanic Gardens, they're amazing, aren't they? Oh, it's an yep. incredible place. And, and it's been, well, John will hide his self under a bushel or under a eucalypt or whatever. <laughs> uh, but he and his friends group have been completely the, the drivers, drivers of, of this yeah, whole right. thing. Yeah. And it's amazing what a group of enthusiastic people can do yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. with good council backing, because yeah. they did have very good council backing. Um, and, yeah, you wouldn't believe that Melton mm. has just such an amazing asset as their botanic gardens mm. down yeah. there. Truly fantastic. Yeah. All right. Now, we've still got oodles and oodles of plants, so maybe it's your turn, I All right. Think. And I'll quickly talk about um, two more ground covers. All right. Before I get on to my bush food, seeing as though we're going with a, a, a dry, shady theme. Yeah. Um, okay, so these two little ones that I've brought in, um, these are known as the velvet bushes. All right. And um, it's the, the genus Lassiopetalum is endemic to Australia. Um, a whole bunch of them in WA, which kind of surprised me a little bit. So, to me, they don't really look like WA plants, maybe because they're not as spectacular as some of the ones that yeah. uh, people like to grow here. Um, but uh, they generally are um, under two metres. So there's there's about 45 species of them and, yeah, sort of all, all over Australia, sort of the coastal areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and known as velvet bushes because they're very velvety. So they have uh, sort of deepish green arrow-shaped leaves uh, probably ranging up to about maybe six seven centimeters uh, some of them are quite small and they're all very furry the under the underneath of the mm-hmm. leaf is whiter uh, and the um, the new growth is reddish sort of reddy brown and so they're very attractive in their own right just as a shrub the flowers are pretty insignificant yeah. sort of small um, either pink or white generally held on the ends of of the branches so you do see them when they're in flower but the, the flowers are pretty small but the really great thing about them is that again they thrive in the dry shade mm. so for underneath eucalypts and that's such a problem area for a lot of people not it necessarily only eucalypts but any um, mature trees of course it is um, where it's, the soil becomes really hydrophobic and it just sometimes becomes an absolute nightmare mm. you know it might create a bit of a dust bowl or whatever if you get some some ground covers in uh, really good for again keeping that soil a bit moist, creating a bit of a sort of um, almost like a habitat area underneath it. Really good for for critters. Uh, so the the two that I brought in there's uh, Lassiopetalum macrophyllum, which is the prostrate form. So then there's obviously a, a shrub yeah, form. Shrub form, yeah. Lo- lovely well. foliage. Isn't it beautiful? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very yeah, it's just so pretty. And I get really excited when I show people it in at work, and they go, "Oh, that's fantastic." Because a lot of people, because it has that sort of dull um, sort of look to it that 
really, let's face it, a lot of natives do have that yeah. sort of, you know, non-glossy look, especially in southern Australia. Um, and a lot of people just don't go for it. But then there's some people who go, oh, I absolutely love that. Yeah, uh, and Yeah, so it, it is a useful plant. So I've got the Lassiopetalum macrophyllum, and then I've got one from Tassie, the Lassiopetalum micranthrum, and that's got much finer foliage. So the same sort of deep green, um, but the leaves are quite linear and um, and and much smaller as the mm. name suggests but both are really good ground covers you know you might get a couple of meters out of each of them widthwise widthwise yeah. Yeah. yeah so when you think about it you don't need a lot of plants to surround a mature tree mm. now when you say mature tree you mentioned <laughs> eucalypts yeah now I always have this issue with eucalypts in that eucalyptus trees in general have quite thirsting roots and yep. all that sort of thing but they don't actually cast vast amounts of shade because of the way the leaves sit and all that sort of thing so i always think of the shade under eucalypt trees as being sort of semi-shade dapple shade, shade yep. more than heavy shade yep. now would these grow say under the canopy of a really dense say potosperum undulatum which i know is somewhat weedy but you get the sense of the sort of canopy i'm talking i about. i reckon they would yeah uh, i've seen them growing um, in quite deep shade, but again, it was more shade from from eucalypts, yeah. but various eucalypts. So it wasn't yeah. just one; it was mm. a few, and with other shrubs around it, uh, definitely worth a shot. Yeah, um, they they cope so well with dry conditions as well. Mm. And they get um, thick. Um, yeah, they do. They they yeah. thicken up really yeah. well, and they create a, a bit of a mat on the ground, so they really work as a living mulch. Oh, fantastic! Um, so yeah, it's good. But I mean, I th think that sort of situation, planting under mature trees, can be really tricky when you want to start establishing things. And I think the key mm. is to use a wetting agent. You know, mm. it's one of the times where, where I would say use a wetting agent because any mature tree is going to be sucking up so much oh, moisture. Yeah. You just want to give this plant the best chance that you can and also you could create sort of smallish um, raised mounds around that you plant it into so that it can establish for a year or so before it starts having competition yeah. from the tree roots. And it might pay too to sort of do a sort of a swaley sort of thing Absolutely. where you can hold water back a bit. Correct. Because under a big tree you often end up with this natural right. sort of yeah. slope running back from, out from the trunk yeah. and so the water just flows out so if you can sort of create a hold swale effect to hold yeah. the water back a bit that's also I think a good idea yeah so mini banks sort of yeah. the whole way around the tree yeah. yeah so but the yeah the velvet bushes so they range from the ground covers through to about two two and a half metre shrubs and, um, and they're all foliage plants they're all foliage plants yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I mean you do have that those pretty little flowers but they're certainly not what I would consider a feature mm -hmm. yeah Fantastic. My yeah. experience with dry shade is humus, humus, humus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pile it on. Yeah. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. And you'll be amazed what you can grow. Yeah. And then once things are established, then they just tend to look after themselves. Yeah. 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 yeah they yeah. certainly can. All right. Well, we're still waiting for calls to come through. So I might just mention the talkback line and also the off-air line if people are interested. Um, the talkback line is 94190155. And if you want to talk to somebody off air, uh, we've got somebody on the off air line on 94198377. All right, Craig, must be your turn. <laughs> what have you got to well, Quite a few New Zealanders. It must be a bit of a theme today. <laughs> oh, well, we knew you were coming in. Uh, <laughs> um, Many, many years ago, I bought the red leaf to steal your, I think it was called Westmoreland. Yes, I remember that one. And I spoke to my mother about it, and she said, oh, why'd you buy that? I'll just revert. Did um, it? 
Absolutely, it did. <laughs> and <laughs> On the, your mum. the reversion is way better. Oh. oh, so it's not actually a bad thing. I thought you no. were going to say it was a, a, a dreadful mistake. Everything that I can find out tells me it's a Stelia nervosa. Yeah. Um, and it's big. Mm. Yeah, because that Westlandy thing, whatever it was, it was a little was, one. Yeah, it was a weenie. And it little was a thing. murky shade of red, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but the, the the reversion has grown. Look, it's, it's almost two meters. Goodness me, that's mm. big. Yeah. yeah, and this is twenty years ago, so they take their time, Australia. But so not for the impatient gardener. Not for the impatient gardener, <laughs> but then I don't do impatient anyway. No. Well, I would say to people, look, if you really need to hide your nefarious deeds from the next door neighbour, just walk backwards and forwards naked a few times, they'll stop looking. <laughs> yeah, you're much more polite than me. Well, I, they might not. I ask them if their neighbours are having swingers parties. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> What's the concern? Yeah, why do you have to do it in such a hurry? Yeah. But, for again, dry shade, like um, AB was saying, the, the, the Astelia is fantastic. Mm. Right up against the trunk of big trees. So to sort of give people a sense of them, they're long, strappy-leafed plants, a bit like, say, a New Zealand flax. But That's instead right. of being in a in a flat sort of spray of leaves... They're much more rigid. Yeah, and they're a rounded sort of That's effect. right. So you've got this sort of round of leaves. And they don't arch like the formiums do, mm. the flaxes do. They tend to be much more rigid. Mm -hmm. And I think with... Um, with the Piper Excelsa, the mm. two of them would be very handsome combination. Mm, they would actually. Yeah. Different foliage shapes, right. textures and things would look rather yeah. rather splendid. Yeah, so I've been looking for Astelias and I heard that Karanga has an Astelia which comes from the Otways. Australiana, I think it is. Is it? You still yeah. got it? Yeah, we've, yeah, we've got them. And they're one of the plants that... Only the people who know them yeah. will pick them up and take them, and yeah. but they're so unusual yeah. that yeah, yeah they, they we, we and do Astelia have is an interesting genus because yeah. um, I know there's um, some Astelias that grow in Reunion, in the Indian Ocean. So really? there's yeah, there's species right. from Reunion. I've yeah. seen them growing in the wild there, yeah. um, and. I'm almost sure I found an Astelia in Madagascar, but I'm not 100% sure on that. But certainly they're on reunion. So if yep. they're on reunion, it's only a hop, step and a jump to Madagascar yep. anyway. So they've got quite an interesting disjunct distribution. And as epiphytes? Or? Yeah, as epiphytes, mm. most of yeah, them. Yeah, because yeah. in New Zealand, well, they call them kafarafara, mm. and they get enormous mm. growing on the trees there. Yeah, yeah. so interesting group. Mm. Yeah, well, and, and good plants for, for, for the garden, and it's particularly mm. if you're patient. Yeah. yeah, I think the Australian one gets to about... One and a half meters, yeah. in which height, is not a bad size. Not, yeah. not bad, but yeah. it's really great for bringing in that sort of architectural element into Absolutely. a garden, isn't and, it? And, and there's no downtime. Yeah, yeah, it's just there. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. like a yucca, but better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have to say, the issue with all of these sort of strappy leaf plants, I think, is the fact that some people plant nothing but, yeah. and then you end yeah. up with what I call monocot monotony. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if you're going to use strappy leaf plants, they should be used like they used to be used as an adjunct to other plants, not yeah. as the whole garden. The whole That's thing. Right. Uh, yeah. After all, if you have a whole garden full of strappy leaf plants, you haven't even got anywhere for a bird to land. Yeah. Look, I'm not entirely opposed to yuccas. It's just, mm. just that they're overused. Yeah, and but, it's but like they, a lot of good plants. They yeah. do get overused and then yeah. you get bored. I yeah. think with, with, with them, I think people don't realise that they're going to grow extremely tall and yeah. at some point you're going to be walking past poking your eye out because when you grow up, when you buy them in pots they look lovely they're just this beautiful strappy usually colored you know mm. maroon plant and put it in looks wonderful and then it just starts getting tall and tall and before you know it's past the landroom window and then it's above the house and yeah yeah, it's, yeah they can uh, get pretty vast uh, yeah. but planted in the right place i think it's like any other plant 
plants are like fire. They're good friends and bad enemies. Mm. So things like yuccas, because they're so indestructible, people tend to plant them in all sorts of ridiculous places where they're never, ever going to be appropriate. Mm. They're going to push over the paling fence or they're going to you know, crack the concrete path because they're right against it or whatever. Oh. But if they're planted appropriately, they can mm. be very useful plants. Mm. Uh, and, you know, far be it from me to poo-poo yuccas. I mean, I've got a couple of them in my own garden in my sort of tropically sort of mm-hmm. jungly bit, and they're perfectly fine. Mm. And, I mean, I don't have to do anything to them. They're really tough. Yeah, they, I've got them are. in dry shade with the cubas. They, mm. they work well. Yeah, mm. so there you go. Yeah. All right, so Estelia. Now, yeah. must be my turn. We still haven't uh, – we've got some calls coming in, so I'll quickly – whip through another one of mine. I have here a plant that I struggle to find a garden context for because it's so tiny. Um, this is one of the South African tulbagias. Mm. Uh, now, most people are familiar with the society garlic one with mm-hmm. the heads of mow flowers. It flowers for ages and ages. This one's one of those that isn't on steroids. <laughs> um, Tulbagia comincii. And it only grows to, well, in the old measurements, about six or seven inches tall in flower. That's, that's, that's grandiflora, though. That's a big one. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes uh, the flowers are whitish with a slightly pinky mauve stain to them. The foliage is very narrow and chive-like. Mm. Um, it flowers for months. Mm-hmm. So I think its basic use in the garden is actually as a pot plant sitting mm. on the barbecue table or something mm. like that yeah. where you can get flowers out of it for months and months and months. All the tulbagias are edible, so you can use them like chives if you want to. Um, And, yeah, I have this one in flower from spring right through to the autumn. And so if you've got a big pot of it, it just keeps flowering. If you keep pulling out the dead flower spikes, it just keeps coming. Uh, But it's so small that if you're going to use it in a garden bed, you'd need quantity of it to make any sort of impact. And it has an extensive root system for what's on top. It does, actually. It's surprising. When you divide them, I have to use a bread knife to slice through everything. Um, But it's a cute little plant. And as I said, very little garden context because it's actually too small for most people's gardens. But definitely worthwhile. All right, we better go into some calls here. Uh, Let's see if we can bring in... Robert from Mitcham. Are you there, Robert? I am indeed. Welcome back to everybody. Thank you, thank, thank you, thank you. And how are you, Robert? Well, I'm all right. We bring some sanity back to Sunday mornings with you. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. Now, how can we help you? My daughter's got a, a very attractive ginkgo. Mm-hmm. And every now and then I hear people talking, and I think you too, about, yes, you should get a male, not a female. Mm-hmm. This, this one just recently... I saw a seed on it. Uh-oh. It sounds like she's got a female tree. Uh, now, the only reason that people say you shouldn't get female trees is because when the fruit falls off and starts, and the pulp on the outside starts to rot, it stinks. Mm. It smells dreadful. But if you clean them up fairly quickly as they fall, then, you know, and get rid of them, put them in the compost or whatever you're going to do with them, uh, put them in the green waste bin maybe, uh, all's well. Having said that, too, the Chinese like the female trees because they get the seeds out of the pod and they I think they call them golden almonds or something like that, and they roast them and they eat them. So you can actually use the seed inside, but it's fairly messy to get at because you've got to get through that smelly, awful pulp to get there. So if her tree has started to get fruit on it, then it sounds like she's got a female and it's all far too late to do anything about it. And so you just clean up regularly so that you don't have the problem of the smelly fruit. Does it last for long, the fruit drop? Uh, you, it's, there's some weeks involved in it. Mm-hmm. That's not too bad. Mm. The, the, the 
tree itself is uh, magnificent. Oh, yeah, and it will be. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's a girl or a boy one as far as the visuals of the tree is concerned. I mean, the big one in the Geelong Botanic Gardens, if anybody's seen that one, is a female tree. Uh, so it does, bear, it does get the fruit on it. Um, and it is stunning, and it's on the National Tree Register. Uh, it's now producing big aerial roots coming down off the trunk, mm. which means that it's quite elderly they don't start to do that till they're about 80 or 100 years old mm. um, and it is stunning and if you see a big ginkgo in autumn when the first of the leaves start to drop but the wind hasn't picked up yet yeah. and they've got this sort of wonderful halo of leaves underneath mm. the tree it's one of the world's great autumn trees mm. so yeah. she should be pleased to have it but she'll just have to deal with the fruit that's all right any, any seeds that drop and, and germinate and she she thinks there is one little one either that or a uh, or a sucker. A root sucker. Yeah. What's likely to be the most likely? I, uh, well, they can throw up suckers. It's certainly possible. But if it has started to fruit, well, then there's a good chance it might be a seedling. So they're easy from seed, are they? Oh, yeah. 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 So it and could be either. Any way of checking, why, or telling whether it's going to be a girl or a boy? If it's a sucker, it'll be the same as the mother plant. Yeah, well, if, I mean, if it was a seed. Yeah, if it's a seed, you can't tell. Um, the only way you can buy a known male ginkgo is to buy a grafted one that's been grafted from a known male tree. And most of the cultivars that are being grown out there, there's now miniature ones and pencil growing ginkgos, uh, they're all from male clones. Mm. So if you buy, there's a new one called Lemon Lime Spire, which is a very narrow, pencil-y ginkgo. It's a male clone. There's a German selection that's a dwarf one called Marrican, uh, and it's a male clone. So, And you can buy just ordinary shaped ginkgos as male clones. Uh, so it'll just say male on the label. And there's also an American selection called Saratoga, which has sort of long finger-like leaflets and a sort of an irregular, almost bonsai-esque form. And that is also a male clone. So if you don't want to get the fruit, you need to go and buy a grafted one to be sure. <laughs> there you go. Can I ask another question? I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> She's also got a, uh, a weeping copper beech that uh, probably uh, has tendencies and possibly because of light, I think, uh, wants to grow up rather than uh, than weep. Any, any thoughts on the best way to, uh, to train it or prune it? Uh, if it's a weeping copper beech, normally they are quite pendulous. Uh, and like they, big trees. Yeah. Uh, so, there's, I mean, there's, you can prune anything if you want to, but the issue is just pruning it with sensitivity. Uh, mm. But it'll keep, if it's throwing upward leaders, it'll keep throwing them. Mm. So all you can do is just keep taking them off and doing it carefully so you don't ruin the shape. But there's, mm. one, there's, a, there's a big one... At, just down the side road from Cloud Hill Nursery, mm -hmm. on the side of the road. So they are substantial trees. Mm. Yeah. Yes, given time they can grow big. So how, how old is it, Robert? Oh, it's probably about uh, 15, 15 years or oh, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's mm. still yeah. a youngish tree. Yeah. Mm. yeah, so, yes, if it's got to be kept smaller than it is, she needs to keep working on it and just control it because... Uh, otherwise, it's the wrong tree in the wrong spot. Mm. It, it probably is that too, but uh, <laughs> there you go. All right, anyway, look, just as I say, we, 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 we enjoyed the rebroadcast during the year. Good. But uh, we've certainly been looking forward to you lot coming back live. Yay. It's nice to Yay. be wanted, thanks, Robert. Robert. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks a lot, Robert. I look forward to hearing it lots more. Right. Thank you. Bye. All right, um, now we've got... Adam, online from Ringwood. Good morning, Adam. 
Good morning. How can we help you? Um, I had a rush of blood a month or so ago and uh, bought some chilli seeds online um, and I've planted them and they're sort of about a foot high, so I'm sort of a bit too late, but is there any chance I might uh, see some fruit um, in the next month or two? Is, is it flowering at all? Any of them flowering? <clears throat> no, they're, they're really small. They're mm. sort of... Um, no, they're, they're small. Yeah, if, if we get a month of hot weather, you might. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't hold out for, um, you know, any Mexican meals in the near future. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, should I put them in the ground or should I pot them up? If I were going to try and keep them going, I'd pot them because yeah. uh, then you can protect them when the colder weather starts coming yeah. on. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I'd put it down to experience and sow your seed earlier next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if I do get some fruit, then I can save the seed, I suppose, or should I just buy some more? I'd just buy some more because I don't think you're going to get viable seed this late in the season. Yeah. yeah. Plus, it's been a, it hasn't been a good year for growing that. For Solanaceae, the yeah, tomatoes Solanaceae, and the chilies yeah, and things right. like that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the worst thing about the tomatoes is that rats seem to be in plague proportions sure this year. Yep, not wrong I've there. Got some, my tomatoes are going red, but as soon as they go, I have to, I have to get them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, oh. have, have you tried dealing with the rats, Adam? Sorry? Have you tried dealing with the rats? Uh put some traps around, but mm-hmm. they're, they're too smart for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, a, there's a New Zealand trap which I've been using and and um, to m- really good success compared to the other traps yeah. that I've used. And it's um, one called Good Nature and it uses a um, carbon dioxide little cylinder and to power a a small hammer, which essentially hammers the rat to death, and it, it, it was developed. <laughs> I'm sure you could have said that in a better way, AB. <laughs> well, but it's really quick; like yeah. it's instantaneous. Yeah. It's over, and was developed in New Zealand yeah. to put out into the forests because I have such a rat problem with the That's with right. the native birds. And um, mm. you, it's got a, a um, Bluetooth chip in it, so you can link it to your phone, so you know when you've killed a rat. And uh, it's, yeah. it's it's re- out of all of those uh, sort of safe. Um, environmental type um, rat traps it, it has had the best success so that's a good good nature it's called yeah. uh, so yeah, that's that's something that. if you if you really have a, a rat plague it's mm. probably worth it yes, the new zealanders are experts at dispatching predators <laughs> <laughs> they've sort of had to be haven't they because have. there's been some weird release of animals in new zealand over the years strange yeah. creatures that's that got right. out that you wonder how they even thought to yeah. yeah, put them out there. Stoats yeah. and polecats and yeah. parrots and yeah, weasels yeah. and yeah, that's right. Really strange, yeah. you know. Uh, you sort of think, who was thinking that through? Although we uh, can't really complain. No, we, we we can't. No, no, no. We release foxes, so you'd have something to hunt in your bloody red jacket and rabbits mm. and, and yeah, the cane toads. Yeah, yeah. So we've all had our moments. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Adam, for ringing up, and uh, best of luck. Ask, with... ask oh. one quick. Yeah. Off. Yeah. What? Tom Tomatillos. The, um, I think they're solanaceae. They're similar to tomatoes. They've got this sort of papery casing oh, around tomatillo. them. Tomatillo. Yeah. Uh, mm. Tomatillo. When, I, when are they um, ripe for the picking? Do when, they, does the casing sort of brown off? Yeah, the casing will start to brown and the fruit inside will be orange. So it's a bit like uh, a Cape okay. gooseberry. Yeah, it's so sort of a Cape gooseberry yeah. type thing. Okay. Yeah. Oh. And, uh, yeah, so the fruit will, will colour. 
inside and you should actually be able to see a little bit of the color through the papery casing mm. so you should know when they're ripe uh, if they're not ripe and you taste one you'll know that you shouldn't have picked it yet oh i've, I've eaten the green ones and they're not they're not bad I, mm. I, I don't really know what they're supposed to be like though to be honest I yeah well I, I would certainly let them i've yeah. got hundreds of them but yeah. i would let them ripen a bit better and i think you'll find they'll be better for you <laughs> good all right okay thanks fantastic all right here we Cheerio. Bye. Bye. All right. Um, all right. We've not got any calls coming through at the moment. Remember, the phone number if people want to ring in is 94190155 or off air 94198377. And it must be my turn to talk about a plant. And I've got actually one up here that I'd like to talk about. This will be a challenge for people in Melbourne. Uh, it's not the easiest shrub to make happy. But it's an Asian plant called Itea, or Itea, I-T-E-A. So very short, simple, mm -hmm. straightforward genus name. Its species name is Alyssifolia, um, and it's an evergreen with slightly bristly, holly-like leaves, but not prickly. Um, and it's, I think, a shrub with enormous elegance because it comes up and it arches over. So you have this lovely sort of airy sort of shrub, and it gets these incredibly long catkins of greeny white flowers these mm. are just passing their best now they're actually more or less dead flowers at this point in time which is actually says something because if a plant has dead flowers on it that still look actually quite attractive mm, that's yes. not a bad thing yeah. um, and i've had them up to or about 20 centimeters or more long the flower spikes on it when it's in full bloom the individual flowers are tiny but they have a slightly honey perfume mm -hmm. which is quite mm -hmm. nice and the issue with it is it doesn't like to get too hot it doesn't like to get too dry it certainly doesn't want wet feet likes an acidy sort of humus rich soil so it may be a bit of a challenge to grow in many of the melbourne soils i mean the really sandy soils will probably they'll hate that mm -hmm. and they won't like the heavy clays of the western suburbs they'll hate that so you may even find if you're trying to grow it or alyssifolia that a big tub with some good quality potting mix might be the way to go in a semi-shaded aspect. They're long flowering plants. So oh, yeah. yeah. And, and elegant, good foliage. Uh, doesn't grow enormously big. I think the biggest one I've ever seen was in a garden in England that was about three and a half to four metres tall. Mm. Uh, they're very prunable. They reshoot from the bottom regularly. So if you needed to, you could cut them back really hard. Uh, this one's actually got a new shoot coming up from below ground level. Uh, and it's a funny little genus. I mean, there's some North American itias and there's Asian ones. Some are evergreen, some are deciduous. Mm -hmm. Some of the deciduous ones get good autumn colour. Mm. Some of them have upward flower spikes and others have the drooping flower spikes. Um, and so when you see a group of different species, particularly the Asiatics as opposed to the North Americans growing together, they don't look like the same group of plants. They're all flowering at Periander at the moment. Yeah. Or just finishing up. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So they and that's the other good thing about them, are they are summer flowering. Mm. Mm. We find in the cooler climates, you probably find this up in the hills as well, we do spring really well, mm -hmm. we do autumn really well, but summer often misses out about the main thing we can rely on in the cooler climates is banks of hydrangeas probably. Yeah. Uh, and there's not enough good summer flowering plants. Mm. Not shrubs anyway. <coughs> yeah, certainly not shrubs. So is that quite an open one? Because those internodes are, are quite lengthy, I suppose. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's an open, airy shrub. Yeah. It's probably not a plant you'd plant to hide yourself from the neighbours. Mm -hmm. um, but um, it could be bushed up a bit. But I actually don't want it to be too bushy because yeah. I think when things have drooping catkins, if the bush itself is really dense, then half the flowers disappear inside. It's nice if you've got that open, airy effect with the catkins hanging down. Yeah, sometimes okay. just let the plant do what it wants to yeah. do now. 
naturally. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's one of those things you don't see around the traps very often for sale, but it's a really pretty shrub. And if it's happy, it will grow quickly. If it's not happy, it will die promptly. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, it takes all of the guesswork mm. out of it. So, so there you go. All right. Um, all right. Oh, I haven't cleared one, I don't think. Um, um, yeah, so I don't know, Stephen, um, Craig, it's kind of um, – I always get really intrigued when I come in with you guys because you're very exotic-based. But I have heard so – you had a, a customer come in the nursery the other day who knows you, and um, apparently you do um, – Bonsai, is that mm-hmm. correct? And do you do native bonsai? I'd like bonsais? to interrupt you two. No, oh, but sorry, we've got Stephen. Sue online. Oh, hi, Sue. And and I've actually pressed the button. So, hello, Sue. <laughs> oh, hi, everybody. Hello. Um, I just want to ask a question about daylilies because uh, last year I had lots more time. Yeah. I cut my daylilies down to down, that you know, ground level. Mm-hmm. And they flowered the best they ever had. Now, mm-hmm. can I do that every year, or or how often can I do it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say the flowering would have also something to do with the cool, wet summer. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. they look a bit t- tatty now, but yeah, yeah uh, you know, because I couldn't go out anywhere, and yeah, did all this stuff, and that's one of the things I did. Cut them yeah. down and feed them. That's what I say. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah, so uh, do it. When you feel like it. Yeah. Oh, okay then. Yeah, because spending a lot of time, it makes you think about, you know, what you could do in your garden as you get older too. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes. Well, let's not worry too much about the future, Sue. (laughs) Enjoy it while you can. Okay then. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. All right, so that was Sue. I'm sorry I interrupted you there, but I did actually sort of press the button before I realised we were going to go on and talk about bonsais. Yeah, so Craig, do you have bonsais? I do. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, you've never brought any in. Um, Why haven't you? Oh, (laughs) I've done something wrong there. Hang on, I'll come around. What have I done? What have I done? I knew I'd blow it sometime or another. (laughs) Ah. Forgot to press the whole button. All right. There we go. Sorry about that. So we're still on air. Oh, hold on. Why is it going beep beep? Ah. All right. We got Sally from Research. No, I haven't. Oh, now I have. Sally, are you there? Hello. Yes, I'm here. Good, thank you. Oh, I'm having a few little we- uh, problems weaning into this job, anyhow. Uh, good morning. I have just planted a Paulonia tomentosa or Pouton tree, Sapphire Dragon. Yep. Now, they were the great white hope of blocking out uh, multi level townhouses <laughs> about five or ten years ago. But I, I've been looking everywhere to see a successful one that's grown and I, I've seen a really ratty one, mm-hmm. but I don't see them anywhere. Are they successful or have I wasted my money? I, my view is that they're ratty. Yeah. They look yeah. superb when they're in flower and then that's it. Mm. Yeah. They're, they're a bit of a junky tree, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are lovely in flower and you do occasionally see a good one. Yeah. Um, right. But you don't see that many good ones around, and they do have some downsides, like they're inclined to sucker. 
yeah. uh, if you break roots and you can end up with a whole yeah. thicket of them instead of just one. Um, right. And their wood's very soft and therefore they're fragile. They're inclined to break apart in summer storms yep. and things. So ah. they're not a tree that I would recommend. I mean, in China, they used to plant yeah. a baby puton tree when a baby girl was born so that they could cut it down again to make her dowry box before she got married. <laughs> gotcha. And they yeah. tended to get married at about 10. So, you know, it was a quick-growing <laughs> tree. Um, but, um, yeah, look, there's probably could, better could trees I, out there. Could I rely on it for five years of cover while other things grow? To, to block out these townhouses? Uh, yeah, look, it'd, it'd last easily that oh. long before it gets too ratty, but it will in oh, due good. course. So you may need to, yes, have your second line of something growing on to, to take its place in due course. Lovely. And anything you recommend? Full sun and pretty shallow research soils. Mm. Or clay, any... clay. Clay soils in research. It's fastest yeah, growing. I have them a lot. But... Is, uh... I'd be getting in a... In indigenous acacia, um, right. black wattle or something like that. Yep. Really, I, really fast growing. Good. Yeah, I, I have planted a few of them, so I might might go down that track. Yeah, Bla I've got black wood and black. Yep. Wattles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can't go too far wrong with those. They're mm. they're tough and they'll last for a long time, and they will grow fast. Mm. Lovely. Th thank you all. Good on you, Sally. All right, Sally. Okay. I hope that's been Bye of now. some help. Bye. Yes, thank you. Bye. Uh, yeah, I planted a um, tube stock size um, acacia mernsii, mm. the black wattle, and um, it's not even a year old. So when I put it in, it was probably 25 centimetres yeah. max, and it is probably over two metres, maybe two and a half metres, not even not even a year old. Yeah. It's How insane. How viable are they in the long term? Like? Uh, probably 15 years, I reckon. So mm. they're, they're not a tree that hangs around for a long time, but mm. they are so good for the critters, uh, for the the seeds, for the birds and yep. the, and the um, pollen and mm. a, bit, a bit of nectar. They're not high in nectar, acacias. They're one of the lower ones, but they're high in, in the pollen and the, therefore the protein. Uh, so, yeah, and, and just super fast growing. So to, to fill a space quickly, mm. they're really good. And then, yeah, as, as we all know, you just have that sort of second line and third line of things mm. coming through. Yeah. And just to fill a gap. And you can have some sort of long-term tree planted that, you know, in time will take that space up. And, and it's actually quite a relief, really, sometimes if, if your first trees you plant aren't long-lived because you often put them in for that quick effect. And, you, yeah. and if they're... If they hang around too long, they start looking scruffy. Yep. So right. I'd rather have a tree do a really good quick job and then depart the scene, so to speak, than have something scruffy standing around for years on end and, and you, you just sort of can't make up your mind what to do with it sometimes. Yeah, and mm. even the, the taller acacias, when they die... Uh, which they do very often, um, just when they get old. The the branches aren't so big that they're going to wreck things when they start falling mm. off. They get very brittle and they just sort of start falling off slowly and they're not going to crash down and, and smash into your house or your carport mm. or anything like that. Unless they're blackwoods. It, yeah, well, unless it's the whole tree that yes. sort of comes down. But yes, blackwoods yeah. in snow can be an issue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know up at Macedon yeah. um, you often hear crack thud oh, yeah. uh, when we've had a heavy snowfall. But then some of the exotic trees are, are bad for that too. Mm. Um, up our way it's the Douglas firs. Right. Oh. They... 
they just shed limbs, you know, at a second's notice. You, you, if you're standing under one and it decided to give because of the weight of snow on it, it just goes crack, boom, and it hits the ground so fast. Yeah. Uh, you certainly wouldn't want to be under one of them when they come mm, down. Just yeah. reading that um, book, Tree, by David Suzuki, which is based around the life story of the of the Douglas fir. Ah, yes. And he talks about when the... Um, this one particular tree because they live for something like 600 years or mm-hmm. something and he goes back in history and says what's happening in history at the time that this seed is germinating and oh, then when, yes. the, when the cotyledons are there what's happening in history and it's a beautiful read yeah sounds fantastic yep. all right who's to must me be, is it you oh, you want to talk about bonsai oh yes Let, let's try that again Craig. yeah yeah why don't, why don't we go down that path yes Native bonsai, I assume you're interested well, in. Well, I was just interested if you had any native bonsai. Of course I do. Yeah, yeah awesome. I don't discriminate. I mean, I yep. just use whatever I think's good bonsai material. Yeah. Um, for me, the best native plant is Banksia integrifolia. Okay. Yeah, yep. they're amazing. And yeah. and that's because they're quite gnarly when even when they're young? Beautiful or? bark. Yep. Yeah, mm. beautiful bark. And, and, and a great deal of variation in bark texture when you raise them from seed. Yeah. So some of them will have really finely cracked bark and then mm-hmm. some of them will have really big, chunky, cracked bark. Yeah. Yeah, big variation. So do you use tube stock to start a bonsai or would you pr- prefer to go for something a bit bigger that's got a bit of substance to it and then sort of... Look, look my preference is for tube stock, but then I do patience. Yeah. Mm. Um, with tube stock, you can get everything right while the plant's inexpensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah. find you have to treat your natives in any way different in root pruning well, and other just things? Root that... prune them in the summer. Yeah. That's all. That's the only difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which you know you wouldn't necessarily do with a um, Japanese, yeah, Japanese maple. maple. Yeah. 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 And what about <laughs> the potting? What about the media for same it? Mix. I use the same mix across do the board. You? Yeah. Okay, that's so our natives aren't as different as we think. No, no. Yeah, yeah, same with feeding. I feed the banks. These a phenomenal amount. You know, I'll I'll uh, liquid feed them full strength or full strength and a half, you know, one and yeah. a half, once a week. Wow. They that, don't bat an island. Yeah. In fact, they grow. That's incredible, <laughs> isn't it? And then I have a friend in Canberra who's, who is even more experienced with Banksia than me, and he says that if you start feeding them high phosphates when they're when young, they're young. Yep. they adjust to it. I have ah, heard that, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. All right, we've got another call come through, folks, so I suppose we should go and... I'll just say one more thing. There's a temptation to use Banksia marginata. Mm-hmm. Don't. Don't. Right. They die. Okay. Right. Let's, yeah. let's go to Narelle in Bayswater. Are you there, Narelle? Yes, I am. Ah. You're doing very well. On oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm breaking out in a sweat here trying to press the right oh, buttons. Yes, but... you're doing very well. You've got your L's on your back anyway. Yeah, well, yeah, I need them, I tell you what. Now, Narelle, you wanted to specifically talk to Craig about something, I believe. Well, I rang Craig at the nursery and I told him my tale of woe about a 55-year-old golden elm yeah. that I... Vietnamese lady cut out and now my garden is in full sun instead of shade mm-hmm. and have an established garden of 50 years and but my tale of woe is I rang Craig I think everything is drowning because of all the rain and the tree is not sucking it up oh dear so now I have a huge camellia that I am watching the leaves going paler. Mm. I have a um, jasminoides on the fence that's going all red and all the leaves are dropping off. And my bougainvillea 
is going brown and I'm wondering, I, I rang to say we have dug a trench along our side of the fence because it was right on the fence line um, and now I want to know whether I give it liquid food to the camellia or do I not feed it or do I give it uh, granule food? My feeling is that you feed plants when they're healthy. Mm. Mm. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't. I we gave we gave the bougainvillea because it's just started going brown and the leaves all going off on each side of it, and so we gave you the bucket of sea salt. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's about all you can do. I want to give it yeah. any more if everything's drowning. So yeah. I just, whether you or Stephen could give me the next bit we can do because we, we have a gazebo and it is all paved all around us. And my husband is not very keen to pick up everything, all the bricks and sort of try and drain it. We don't have, really have anywhere to drain it. Is it still wet? Well... He dug, he dug the trench, but he doesn't think it's wet, wet. But then how far down do you have to look to see if it's wet? Well, I would have thought that if he didn't find wet soil down at a you know spade's depth or thereabouts, yeah. most of the roots of plants are in the upper part of mm -hmm. the soil. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's more the issue that the, tr the plants are trying to readjust to a climate that's become completely different since the removal of the big elm tree. That's what I was going to say. Uh, yeah. And I think I'd be playing a bit of a wait-and-see game mm. with it personally. Just it's been two years. Yeah. And the, and the bougainvilleas and things are still looking miserable? I mean, bougainvillea, yeah, it, it's up on the fence. And each side, I, after we had the heat, I looked and I said, oh, no. I said, there, all the leaves are brown, and I said, what's happening to it? And and it's all sort of browning off now. Mm, see, bougainvillea will cope with heat. Mm. So yeah, they, they want heat. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to flower well unless they get oh. a fair bit of warmth. So I'm surprised that the bougainvillea is looking brown, and it's more likely to be something to do with uh, a water issue than it is with a heat yes. issue. Mm. Um, yeah, well, my husband looked it up and said, bougainvillea do not like wet feet. Mm. Mm. So I, I don't know. What else can we suggest? I, uh, look, I, I'd, I'd get someone in to put some um, drainage pipes in. Well, he, he tried. He, he said, well, I, he drained all the little box heads. That's all turned orange, like they're turning orange and they're losing all their green. I lost one. It's completely gone. And the rest of them have got all this orange tinge all over them. And he drained... He tried to drain that garden, because there's about a dozen of them, into a little drain that he did have that goes down the backyard, but he can't drain it all down there. Mm. It of sounds course, like a course, job for a professional. Of course, this year, that's right. Mm. But this no, year is exceptional. Mm. This year is exceptional in right. terms of I rainfall. It's in on top of this, and I said, and the snowball tree is going autumn colour on top. Yeah, well, a lot of things are starting to that's turn right. now, so that's oh. that's not something that I'm surprised by, and I'm not necessarily thinking that's going to be a problem. Yeah, I don't um, think the viburnum would be worried about a bit of water. Yeah, no, and certainly there's things turning up our way uh, autumnal oh. already. Yeah. Uh, the harbinger for me for the autumn is the Virginia creepers. As soon as they start to go red, you know autumn's on the way, and they're already starting to go mm. red. So I'd to lose the jasminoides on the fence because it covers about an eight-foot-long fence, and now... They're hardly got it. They're getting all their leaves are going off in red. 
Mm. Look, some of these plants may not reco recover. You may well have to um, rethink what you plant. So there may have to be a readjustment of some things. Um, uh, certainly the uh, tra uh, sperm and jasminoides, they'll cope with a reasonable amount of sunlight, but they do do better in the shade. Mm. And now that they're not getting the shade, um, you know, they may or may not make it through. I have a beautiful, he's talking about bonsais. I have a beautiful conifer that they do bonsai a lot and it's like it goes up and it weeps right down mm. and in that heat it's lost its leaves through the middle. I can see through the middle now, but every hot day we cover it with shade cloth. Now, will that, re will that die or can I keep it? Will I save that? It shouldn't. No, it shouldn't die. It shouldn't die. It um, should be happy with the, the extra sunshine. I think it's just getting used to the change. Yeah. And, and mm. it, they do, I mean, it's not like it's going to happen overnight. You say two years and, I mean, for me that's, I mean, really not, an awful long time for for plants to readjust, especially when they've been under that tree probably for a lot of their life. Mm. I mean, we've been in here for fifty years, and we we did a a conifer sort of and half shade um, garden. Yeah, and now all of a sudden uh. it's in sun from morning till night. Mm. Uh, yes, and look. If, if it were me and I was in your position and really didn't quite know what to do, I would try and get somebody to come out and do a consultation for to you. To check out the drainage. Yeah, I think yeah. you need somebody to have a look and see yeah. what's happening with your drainage and all that sort of thing because you can fiddle and faff around, digging trenches and all that sort of thing, but you may or may not be having any real impact on the actual issue that's involved. Um, so who you, do I, who can we, could you know anybody that I could go to? Well, not in, not in your particular part of town. I don't even... You know, don't live anywhere near you, so I don't know anybody in in the Bayswater area that you could um, get in touch with. But uh, there must be drainage specialists out there that could be um, be got in touch with, surely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and also yeah. landscapers. If you get a professional landscaper, and they'll also be able to talk you through what plants are likely to survive and what you know you probably wouldn't oh, bother with. The community is about forty years old, and it's huge. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, look, I think you need some professional help. I think you do need to get somebody in there to look through the place, pay for a consultation, get somebody in to assess all of the plants, look at what might be able to be done for drainage and all those sorts of things. And yep. in some cases, you might have to start off again with certain plants. The camellia oh, no, should come good. Mm. I said to John, I'm out of here, I'm moving. Oh, that's, that's such a shame. I mean, when you've had the garden of your dreams and mm. that really is a nightmare situation. Yes, you can pick your everybody friends, but you can't walked, pick your neighbours. Everybody that walked past and saw the tree gone after 55 years, they all just stood there and they all burst into tears and cried. Mm. But how could she cut that down to do a market garden? Yeah, well, unfortunately, these things do happen. And, and so. we have a gazebo that used to be under the tree, a beautiful big gazebo my husband built. And under the under the floor of that, he can see water just lying there. Mm. Right, so yeah, there's a definite drainage yeah. issue, and I don't think your husband digging a few trenches is going to fix it. Yeah, unfortunately. That's right. So, yes, I would get a land, as, as AB suggested, I'd get a perhaps a local landscape person to come in, a proper landscape designer. They can have a look. Uh, and, I mean, for spending a few dollars to get the right information, it's often the best thing you can do. Because the plants are worth a lot of money. That's right. Well, exactly. And if you've got to replace plants, um, it will cost you some money to do so. And you'll lose all that time. 
So, yeah. sorry we can't be more help, Narelle, but I think that's about all you can do. Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> all right. Thanks for yeah. calling in, my dear. We'll catch up again sometime, I hope. Good talk to you all. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. That is a horrible situation, uh-huh. isn't it? Like, especially a mature tree yeah. like that. And you've based your whole garden design around. But but you know what? There's, there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. No. And you need to view it as an opportunity yep. to do something yep. else. Otherwise, it's yeah. devastating. Yeah, mm. it is. Yeah. I mean, you've got to just look at things and start from scratch. I mean, the same thing can happen to you if you have a tree suddenly die in your own garden. Mm. You know, suddenly you've got sun where you had shade yep. and suddenly the drainage changes because the tree's not there with its root system growing through the ground. Mm. Um, so we all can go through those situations, whether it's the fault of a neighbour or our, our own mm. misfortune. Or falling over, yep. yeah, yep. whatever. It's, Creating it's, it's, it's a gap. always yep. needs to be viewed as an opportunity. Yeah, well, you've got to do those things. Mm. You know? yeah. I mean, it's it's the only way to move forward, yeah, really, right. in gardening. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Craig, I reckon it must be about your turn for another plant if you've got another oh, one yeah, we can this, talk this, about. This is an old one that... that used to be around the nurseries a lot, um, but is no longer seen anymore. It's Potosporum Tom Thumb. Damn it, it's a good plant it's too. It's a great plant. Um, a now, why bit, do you think it's not around the nursery tree? Because tray? it's tricky to propagate. Yeah. You, get, you get a low strike rate. Yeah. Um, everything these days has to be, you know, 100% and mm. pump, pumped out by the million. Um, dark, dark foliage. I don't know that I've seen a plant with as dark a foliage as this one. Mm. Smaller shrub, so forget it. Oops, sorry. Going on. I've done something wrong. There's a noise in the background, and I don't know what I've done. Sorry. What are we doing? So we do that and that. I thought I did that before. Oh. Now we have more noise. Now we don't have any noise. All right, right. sorry about that. Yes, so, so, so Tom Thumb. Um, it's darker in the winter mm-hmm. than it is in the summer. And then in the springtime, it gets these fresh green shoots mm. all over the dark foliage. It's a terrific little plant. All right, so Probably, some nurseryman's got to get to work and start propagating it up again. Yeah, I had a good strike rate last year. You did? Yep, yeah, which is not every year. So mm. I've got a few of them around. Yeah, but, oh, it's yeah. a good plant. Yeah. yeah. I, I bought some years ago for a job down in Gisborne. Uh, they're... Um, council chambers that were they're now no longer the council chambers because they built new ones when all the amalgamations happened mm. but their council chambers have been painted in those sort of heritage colours the sort of cream walls and the burgundy trims and round the windows and stuff yep. so they were going to put a box hedge along the base of the wall and I said mm. oh no if we can get this potosporum let's mm. put that in yeah. and it looks stunning mm. it would you know yeah. against that sort of heritage colour scheme yeah. it's really beautiful yeah it's, it's a good one and and sadly disappeared from the trade. Mm. Yeah. And you're bringing it back single-handedly, Single-handedly. Craig. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> Good for you, Craig. It's yeah. reminded me I must have a crack at it myself and see yeah. if I can get Look, some going. You get a few going, mm. but you'd never get a high strike rate. Yeah. Yeah, not, not like some of the other ones. <laughs> yeah, well, and I guess that does raise an issue with some plants. Uh, because people are used to paying a set price per pot size for a lot of things, and that's how it works in the big barns mm. and a lot of the general garden centres, mm. If I'm going to propagate something that's hard to propagate like that and mm. I only get a very small number of them, mm. I would expect to be able to charge more for it because, you know, where else are you going to get it? Mm. So um, it's never going to be one of those things, even if people do get a reasonable quantity, that they're going to make the price out of them they should get. Yeah, so right. if you go into a nursery and something's more expensive than something else, there's almost always a reason mm. yeah, for it. Absolutely. And you've got to understand that. You can't just say, oh, I'll take the cheap plant. What, mm. What's the point in that if you're not going to get the good plant? Yeah. 
mean, I had someone in the other day. I have some Pinus Strobus Merrimack yeah. on standards, which is a really long, slow job. Oh, God, yes. Years and years and years to produce them. And, and he was comparing the prices to standard box. <laughs> yeah, well, there's no comparison. That's oranges yeah. and apples. It That's just right, doesn't exactly. Work. Yeah. yeah, and you need to understand that, as mm. you say, when you're looking at plants. Yeah, yeah, you need to know what you're looking at and, and what's involved in its production. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to Evan, my boss, about that very topic yesterday, and I was like, "Oh, it would be so convenient if all our six-inch pots were just the One same price." price. Yeah. And he was like, "Well, you, when all when all the loaves of bread in the supermarket are the same price, then I'll make all the yeah. all of the mm. plants the same price." Because there is there's so much work that goes into some, and yeah. others are just really Which, easy why to propagate. Why you rarely see grafted rhododendrons around the trade anymore? Because there's so much more work in producing them. Oh, they uh, grafted onto Ponticum. Yeah, They're well, a disaster. Yeah, well, if you don't graft them onto Ponticum and graft them onto White Pearl or Sir Robert Peel or something, yeah. then that's yeah. fine. But some rhododendrons won't strike from cuttings, mm. so the only way you can grow them is to graft them. Mm-hmm. And I can remember as a kid, my dad and I used to go up to Bolter's Nursery in the Dandenongs, and mm. we'd go up there and buy the Loderai series of rhododendrons and all those fantastic things, hawk crest, and there was yeah. there was a whole range of these beautiful rhododendrons. Yeah. You don't see them at all anymore. Well, they're uh, just about the whole lot's disappeared yeah. now. Yeah, it's very sad. Yeah. Uh, well, once Bolter's closed up, that was one of the That's major right. suppliers yeah. of rhododendrons in the hills, and... Um, it's getting harder and harder to get the good stock. And, and, you know, I keep arguing, well, not arguing, pleading with some of my wholesalers to be growing some of the things I really want. Mm. And I'm happy to pay a premium price for them. Mm. Um, but, oh, you know, there's all the fiddle and faff around and all that. And I say, yeah, but, you know, if you're going to charge me half as much again or twice the price for mm. that plant because it takes you a little longer to grow, I'm happy to pass that price on to my clients. Yep. I mean, my clients will pay it too because they want the plant. Yep. Yep. So I'm always happy to worry about the plant not the price mm. yeah all right True. where are we going now where are we going how I much time have we got we've got two minutes two What's minutes the, oh, and then i've got to work out how to stop the program <laughs> oh god i think i'm gonna need help here the mountain pepper looks interesting oh okay yep bush, bush food so i i i sort of um i mean there's amazingly something like six thousand australian edible plants out of twenty four thousand yeah. species and I sort of put them into two categories, those that you won't die eating and mm. those that you would actually want to eat. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the, the Tasmanian pepper, so the Tasmania lanceolata is one of those and, it's again, it's a beautiful uh, shrub in itself. Yeah. Uh, d- down here gets to about two metres. You can use the leaves or you can buy a male plant and a female plant and have the berries yeah. and use it exactly the same way that you would pepper. So what's the genus? Um, genus, yes, that is a good question. What yeah, is the genus? Label, uh, no, I'm just trying to. I can't. I can't remember actually. Um, it's but, not an opterus, is it? No, 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 no. But it's beautiful red uh, stems yeah. and bright glossy leaves. So, yeah, a good one for the bush tucker garden. Mm. All right, Stephen, how are we All going? Right. Uh, we're about time to. Uh, uh, say goodbye to everybody and Yay, I forgot goodbye. which buttons I have to press again so um, we will catch up with you well the gardening show will catch up with you next week at 7.30 we will catch up with you uh, or I will at least in a fortnight's time so um, for the rest of the day have a good day and we'll hopefully catch up in due course bye bye so, bye bye everybody you've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.